0: Uh, you had a baby.
1: <laughs> I had a baby.
0: Do you remember having babies? How old's your youngest? My youngest is almost eighteen months.
1: Okay, so it's still pretty fresh for you. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, still fairly fresh.
1: <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah. We had a baby, baby girl, baby Nora.
0: Um, how how has that adjustment been?
1: It's rocked our world. I. <laughs> I, st- I I don't know how you did twins. How did you do twins? <laughs> we didn't. We didn't do it. We
0: survived it. It's traumatic. Um, we slept maybe 90 minutes a day each for the first three or four months.
1: What? Were you in school at the time? I can't remember.
0: So we had the twins. Christine had the twins three days after we graduated. So we walked, and then three days later, she was induced.
1: I can't, I can't complain because... Mary's doing more work than I'm doing, but, but still I get exhausted and I just think, how did Chris do it with twins? And my mom's a triplet. Oh
0: my gosh.
1: My my grandma had her, it was like the fifties. So they didn't have any good baby technology, like disposable diapers. (laughs)
0: Oh wow.
1: So I don't, I don't know how people do multiple. Well,
0: and I think well, the nice thing about having kids back then is the demands for kids were much easier. You didn't have to put them in as many extracurriculars. And the extracurriculars you did have is like, you want to play basketball? Some of the neighborhoods got a basketball and you just play together. It's not $500 for uniforms and leagues and coaching. And it's just different now. Yeah, and, and and the, and the like, before, it was like, hey, you just put them in the back of your car, and now it's like you have to buy this $300 car seat with all the safety features. And I just think the <laughs> expectations are way higher than they were when you and I were kids, even when our parents were kids. i my like, gosh. Uh,
1: you and the safety. You and the safety regulations. <laughs> you, know, you know how passionate I
0: am about this subject.
1: You know what's funny? So we had that episode, and I can't remember if... Everything got included in it. But at one point in time, you were talking about life vests. I think that's in the episode, actually. And then a couple of weeks later, I read this article about these two people who were canoeing in a lake that didn't have life vests. And they fell into the lake and they one of them died. One died. The other one barely survived. I thought of you. I thought, well, I wonder how Chris would react to this.
0: So here's my reaction, because I hear about people who are like, I can't swim. That's like saying I can't breathe. If you can't swim, all you do is move your legs and your arms. If you're (laughs) an adult and you can't swim, I, I don't believe you or I think you're like consciously, actively not trying to survive because literally all you have to do is just move your legs and your arms and you can doggy paddle and keep your head above water. So I don't understand how that happens.
1: Yeah, the sad thing was they neither of them said they could swim. Which I believe, <laughs> I believe people when <laughs> they say they can't swim. I just don't know what does that mean. You just kind of like <laughs> I don't, I don't know what to do
0: instead of just moving my arms and legs. Like I guess I'm falling down now. I, I, what does that look like?
1: Yeah, that's that's fair. What do you do for someone who can't swim when you fall into a body of water? What do you do? Because there's not a ton of technique to treading water. You just kick around. I feel like you'd literally have to have never
0: been in a pool. To be like, what is this wet substance my body's in, and how do I keep myself above it? Like, I feel like everybody swims multiple times during their lifetime. And if you, even if you're in places you can touch, you learn the basics of swimming through just exposure to water.
1: Maybe it's a mental thing. So when you fall into water, you panic and you just think that you can't swim. And then one thing yeah, that- leads to another.
0: That makes sense. That makes sense. You start making bad decisions because you're panicking. I, I guess I could get behind that.
1: But the thing is, so if you can't swim, what business do you have being in a canoe without a life jacket? I mean, that's the situation where I feel like you need a life jacket. Back in the day. Yeah, I agree. Things in some ways, things were seemed to be, I obviously didn't, Raise children back in that day, but they seem to be a lot simpler. And I think one thing is there's just a lot less pressure. I think there's a lot of pressure that comes about from social media, from like blogs. Yep. I
0: agree. And there's this whole mentality, like you said, this pressure when, when one mom does something, other moms feel like they have to do it. And, uh, and just the money to do things is just crazy now. I'm just like, Oh, we'll get a pass to the rec center. It's like $500 for the rec center pass. Like that's, that's like, like half a tuition payment. Like, what are we doing? But
1: do you feel that there's the same pressure for dads? You mentioned moms. Do you feel like dads experience that pressure in one way or another?
0: Yeah, I do feel like we do in some way, particularly when it comes to like sports, because you want your kids to be in sports. I think, I mean, moms are obviously into this too. Um, I can only speak for myself, but I feel like a lot of dads, I feel that pressure that they want their kids to be in sports. And man, it is crazy expensive to get your kids to be active and that stuff. Even at a young age, it's, it's obscene.
1: I did have another kid and I just had a few observations. I'm not going to go into a big, long story about the the birth story for this one, but I wanted to, I wanted to share a few observations from having a kid recently. Dude, please do. So observation number one, going to the hospital is so bizarre because Everyone there is so comfortable with things that I'm not comfortable with. So we get to the hospital and my wife's in labor and I'm freaking out, right? Because my wife's in labor and we get in Mm -hmm. there and they're just typing away the nurses at their station. What can we do for you? (laughs) My wife's in labor. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) What are the details? (laughs) And they're just so, so cool. And, it just blows my mind. And I think it makes total sense because they're around, they're around the stuff all the time. So it's not shocking to them. They've pretty much seen everything around the block. So they can jump into like, Oh, you're bleeding this way. It probably means this thing. You know, they go into all sorts of details. This lady was putting an IV into my wife. And there's literally blood shooting around, and I'm about to pass out because I don't oh, do wow. well around this stuff. She's like, Oop, I missed. <laughs> and she's just joking. <laughs> like, what are you doing? There's blood everywhere. <laughs> so it just shocks me. It just shocks me how comfortable people in the medical profession are with this type of stuff.
0: You know, one thing I thought was really interesting working in hospitals is the term. People die in hospitals all the time, which is funny because this is a place to keep people alive, but people die in hospitals. Every hospital in America has somebody die in it daily, unless they're a tiny, you know, critical access hospitals. So the term they use in hospitals for people who die is expired. And I always thought that was really weird. Like, um, hey, where's uh John Doe today? He's like, Oh, he expired yesterday. It's like, oh, <laughs> Okay.
1: Is it a carton of milk? Like Yeah, what? I know exactly.
0: Like it just seems really casual. It's like, oh, so and so expired, the room's free. It's like, oh. Okay. So yeah, just kinda that's just the way it is. And, and what else did you notice? Anything else?
1: Yeah, so I don't know if this is just my experience or every other male's experience, but I feel like everyone in the hospital ignored me. And I'm not saying that everyone should pay attention to me. This is obviously about my wife and having the baby. I'm I'm fine with that. But it was almost like I didn't exist. (laughs) Like they didn't really like recognize me. I was shocked every time someone said hi to me. I was like, oh, hi. (laughs) like Nice (laughs) of you to notice. (laughs) It was bizarre. Have you had a similar experience? I don't know if this is particular to this hospital or maybe I'm just imagining things. But (laughs) what was your experience? Well, you have
0: to remember, all my kids ended up being C-sections. Oh. So we didn't do the traditional worst water slide ever. Um, (laughs) So, yeah. But I do know, because I I have witnessed several births working in the hospital, sitting in on on some of these and observing physicians and and nurses and this kind of care. And I I think the thing is that because they do this every single day, uh, what seems like a miraculous or traumatic or big deal to you or experience to them. It's just, they see it all the time and they're like, all right, just make sure that dad's here with the catcher's mitt when it's time. But otherwise like we'll just, you know, business as usual. Cause for them it is business as usual.
1: The final thing, this isn't so much an observation as, as a confession. I'm the biggest wimp about this stuff. So with our first kid, um, when they, When you're having the baby, the nurses will ask you, did you get woozy around this kind of stuff? Because obviously there are lots of dads that have passed out (laughs) as they're watching their child being born. So my first baby, I said, yeah, I get woozy. And they give you... Probably the most demasculating thing, they give you a a box of juice and some crackers (laughs) (laughs) to help you raise your blood sugar, and they make you sit on a chair. So my wife is literally going through the most painful thing in the world, and I'm sitting on a chair with a juice box (laughs) and some crackers. So the first time they gave it to me, and I drank it, and I ate them, and I could stand up, and I was fine. This time, I think because I woke up And I was super tired and I hadn't really eaten anything in a while. They started, the baby started coming, and I just felt all the blood, like, draining from my head. And it's one of the few times the nurses paid attention to me, and they're like, Dad, are you all right? And I'm like, no, I'm going to pass out. So immediately, like, we need juice boxes, stat. So they they gave me a juice box and sat me in the chair, and I just felt like the biggest weenie sitting there drinking a juice box while my wife's screaming in labor So confession, I'm a huge, I'm a huge wimp around that stuff. Um, how how do you do donating blood? Oh, uh, I've never donated blood.
0: (laughs) Noted. Okay. Um, I don't recommend it for a separate reason. Because once you donate blood, they will put you on guilt-tripped robocalls for the rest of your life, and <laughs> you cannot block them. And they'll seriously like find like sweet little six-year-old kids. to be like, "I my life was saved because somebody donated blood." You don't want to save the next girl like me, and it's like, oh my gosh,
1: <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna win a lot of fans by by telling people not to
0: donate blood. <laughs> no, if you enjoy donating blood, donating blood's a great thing. I'm not discouraging it. I'm not a fan of the robocalls. And look, I get the robocalls because I donate blood. Do you donate regularly? I probably donate maybe once a year.
1: Good for you. I I really need to.
0: I have a couple of things I need to bring up. And this is going to age me out because I have reached the point now where I am no longer like, gosh, people are so old. I am now full-fledged. Gosh, everyone is so young. I work with a lot of millennials. And some of the stuff they're saying and some of the stuff they do, especially the single ones, completely blows my mind. And I just, it makes me feel like I'm the old curmudgeon of the group. And I'm, I'm 32, so I shouldn't, you know, I'm technically a millennial. I should feel like I'm in the know. I have no idea what these people are even talking about half the time. And I'll give, <laughs> I'll give you an example. So I have a new girl who reports to me. She uh, just recently got married. And I think she's 24 Uh, and, you know, she was, I was asking her, we, you know, we talk all the time at, at work in our bays and I was like, so, uh, you know, what's, what's your plans for this weekend? She, and she, her name is Brittany. And she said, you know, I think, um, I think Ben and I are just gonna, are just gonna, you know, hang out. I don't think we have any big plans. So, oh, okay, cool. So Netflix and chill, that kind of weekend. And one of my coworkers looks at me, he's like, do you know what Netflix and chill means? I was like, yeah, it means you're going to hang out and watch Netflix. He's like, no, no, you should really look up the meaning of that. Do you know what the meaning of Netflix and chill is? I thought I did, but apparently I don't. (laughs) So did you think that that's what it meant? Yeah. Have you heard people say Netflix and chill?
1: Uh, I feel like I have, but maybe I'm just making that up because you put it on the show notes. Yeah. I feel like I've heard it. It means to get together and have
0: sex. Oh, there you go. And like I said that casually to a girl who reports to me completely out of <laughs> ignorance and I had no idea. I was like, hey, so you're going to get together and have sex with your with your uh, husband this weekend um, without even meaning to. <laughs> and I'm like, first of all, why does this get accepted that that's that? Yeah. Yeah. We should be able to take a totally benign phrase and just turn it into something that's not benign. And people
1: should just know that. At one point in time, everyone has to look him up, right? There's only one person who didn't have to look it up because he's the one who invented it. <laughs> you shouldn't feel bad. That's what I'm saying. It's crazy
0: how, you know, you and I are in the millennial bracket and we're so far removed from this stuff. And I feel like you have to be like really into social media and... And you, basically, your whole social life has to be with other people of this age group to keep up with this stuff. Otherwise, you're going to get totally lost. And now, I really do feel like a 50 year old man with my coworkers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, do you think it's Do you think people make a point to learn this stuff, or it just comes because they're it's they're surrounded by it, and so they just pick it up?
0: Yeah. I don't know. Cause I think you're right. They all have to at some point in time, look this stuff up, be like, Oh yeah, it's totally FOMO. I'm like, what the freak does that mean? <laughs> Just look, look it up, Googling on the side. Um, so I don't know. Um, that's a good question. My but- favorite,
1: my favorite thought is someone's at a party and someone says FOMO and they said, Oh, what's that? And everyone kind of laughs at him. Says, you don't know what FOMO means. And then they explain it. And then a week later, someone's asked the person what's FOMO mean? And they say, Oh, you don't want to know what that means. Yep. (laughs) You know, what's happening out there all the time. (laughs) Oh yeah. No, I totally agree. Do you think Um, there's any value in trying to learn this stuff or are you fine with, with just letting it pass you by? I'm pretty fine with letting it pass me by.
0: I feel like it's really critical. It's funny because all this stuff is more and more critical. If for some reason, if you're single, but if you're not single anymore, then this stuff becomes a lot less important.
1: You just have to know enough to not casually mention it to one of your right. di- direct reports that yeah. might uh, might offend them or <laughs> raise yeah, break, I'm
0: breaking <laughs> HR protocol completely out of ignorance. But I mean, because if you're single, you, you guys want know. to
1: Netflix and chill this weekend?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, that reminds me. You know, when I was the true This is a true story. Uh, you know a good friend, um, probably scrub his name from this podcast. Um, I'll bleep but, it out. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm with my a, a good childhood friend and he's talking to me about, uh, a, about my birthday party coming up. I think I was like turning 15 or I think it's probably it was 14 or 15. And his mom's driving us to school and, and she's like, so Chris, what are you guys doing for your birthday party? And I was like, Oh, it's going to be so fun. We're going to have a whole bunch of friends. there, are gonna play a bunch of games. It's going to be a giant orgy. It's going to be a blast. <laughs> And she looks at me like really cockeyed. I'm like, what, Craig, what's with your mom? We're going to have an orgy. What's the big deal? <laughs> and she's like freaking out. And I'm like, oh, this woman is weird. I, I, the context that I had thought I heard it was just, it meant like a party. Like, I don't remember what context I heard because I was 14 time, but my interpretation was you're at a party. And, uh, obviously I was wrong. And Craig had explained to me later about how I had told his mom multiple times we were going to have an orgy at my birthday party. Why are you freaking out?
1: <laughs> That's a great story.
0: <laughs> I got one more. I'm going to test your knowledge, see how well you know the definition of this, because I was schooled on this. And again, I use this word inappropriately at work. If uh, if you know someone we will say this person's a single friend named Jim and Jim is, quote unquote, thirsty. What does that mean?
1: Um, I think Jim is looking for some companionship, nod, just... nod, wink, wink. Gotcha. Okay. Did not know that. I didn't either. I just guessed.
0: <laughs> oh no, yeah. Okay. Well you guessed correctly. I guessed incorrectly and asked someone, I, I said, oh, that person's so thirsty. Like, do you know what that means? No, I do not. You better educate me because the context I heard then meant something totally different. <laughs>
1: I think it's just safe to assume it all means one. It all means the same thing.
0: (laughs) Right. Just assume everything means that. (laughs) But now I don't want to even say any any innocuous word. I'm just like, I'm pretty sure this word is safe until it's not safe anymore.
1: (laughs) So you can no longer say I'm thirsty anymore, is what you're saying.
0: Yeah. Well, I can now because I'm married. And when you're married, I guess those words don't really apply to you.
1: (laughs) Because you're old. Mm.
0: Because I'm old. Before you got married, you've been married four years
1: yeah good job um
0: had you experimented with had tinder come out before you got married
1: tinder was just becoming a big deal when i got engaged so i think had it been a year longer i probably would have been on tinder and it probably would have been a plane wreck (laughs) but i avoided it so no i didn't get on tinder so, yeah, you and I can both say we avoided
0: the dating apps, the swiping left, the the new like normal for dating. You and I completely avoided. But you talk to people who are in this world now. Yes.
1: Does Ish. it ever sound
0: like does it ever sound like they're in like a foreign planet that you can't even fathom what this world would be like?
1: I think the most interesting thing is Tinder in some ways may, I mean, it made online dating more acceptable, which is, and all these apps because they were, I don't know if it's because they're apps or, or what, but suddenly online dating went from being this, oh, you met online, like eyebrows raised to, oh yeah, you know, we met on Tinder and that's totally fine. And, and all sorts of people doing it versus online dating before was, you know, you're, you're always kind of sketched out by the people we met online. Is that correct? Do you Do you agree with that? I agree with that, but also just think how casual it is to make
0: really quick snap judgments about people based solely on their physical appearance on a picture they doctored up and carefully strategically placed onto a dating profile is just a wild paradigm. Because I remember like everything we heard when we were dating was, you know, don't judge people based on strictly their appearance, get to know them before you decide if you want to date them. And now we've gone a thousand percent the opposite direction. Let's yes, let's emphasize judging people solely based on their appearance. And then that's how we determine whether or not we could be
1: a match. (laughs) Do you feel like it's much different than meeting someone in person? I feel like you're still making those judgments, right?
0: I feel like it does a couple things. You're doing those judgments but it makes it more impersonal and it's it's spawned uh dating behavior that i think would have been things that would have made you a pariah before are now totally acceptable um you know and the most draconian example of this is ghosting you could i mean ghosting didn't exist which is why we didn't have a phrase for it because if you did it um you would have no friends because everyone would badmouth you because it's super incredibly messed up to completely stop talking to someone that you went on a date with and not acknowledge that they're a human being. And now most of my coworkers who, again, are most of my millennial coworkers have ghosted someone.
1: So can you, can you define ghost? I actually had to look it up before. <laughs> can you define ghost? This is great. This is great. We're just illustrating <laughs> my
0: point from earlier. You are old man. Um, so again, something I learned since I've been working in consulting, but so effectively it's, you've been on at least one date, but oftentimes multiple dates or in a serious relationship even. And which is obviously more rare, but at that point you just act like you're off the face of the earth and you're dead. And you stop responding to texts, phone calls, emails. You just basically act like you, you, you know know nothing about this person and you could even block their number so that, That way you let them know you're not interested. (laughs) They'll get the hint eventually.
1: I don't know. I might've done that a few times. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I don't know.
0: (laughs) So in a diffusion of innovation, you were an early adopter of ghosting.
1: (laughs) I don't think it's a new thing. I'm hoping it's not. (laughs) Oh boy. Did you really do that? (laughs) Like
0: no response whatsoever? I, they're like, like, hey, Andrew, are you there? You're like, <laughs> I'm going like to get that text message.
1: I don't know if it was a like complete, like, iron curtain, but there was definitely some not returning of calls, most likely. Yeah, it, it, it probably wasn't good.
0: <laughs> well, sure. I think there's a difference between not responding to some calls and everything. But I'm talking like your last interaction was like, hey, great. This is a fun night. Uh, looking for, you know, thanks. We'll do it again sometime. And then they start reaching out and nothing. Or was it, Hey, I don't know where this is going. And you may send it a text that says something along the lines of like that, that. Just you wait several texts to send or text, And then your, your communication becomes slower and slower until eventually you stop. But I'm talking about going from totally open floodgates to damming up the walls overnight.
1: I might've done it i might have done it i can't remember i'm trying to give you like an out like (laughs) looking for every possible way for you to be like yeah i didn't do that i just want to be straight i just want to be straight with our with our listeners okay um you you are a ghoster all right let's move on here (laughs) (laughs) we need to move on a couple months ago i was sitting at our we have uh, our kitchen and there's a bar on the opposite side of, of the sink, um, that has, you know, like a little window. It's a, it's like an elevated, um, countertop. And I was sitting there doing some dishes and out of nowhere, I see my son's head pop up on the other side. And I realized that he had pushed the kitchen chair over to the bar and then climbed up and he could now look over. And I thought, oh my goodness, <laughs> this child is aware. He can <laughs> he can think things through. He can get to high places. And I call it a Jurassic Park moment because Jurassic Park, one of the greatest movies ever. There's that famous scene where the raptors are trying to get into the kitchen and the doors are shut. And then the kids see that the raptors can open up the doors and it completely, it's like a game changing (laughs) experience in the movie. They're like, Oh crap, these raptors can think and get into the kitchen. So I call these Jurassic park moments with our kids where you suddenly realize, Oh crap, these kids can do more than I thought. And it's going to totally, totally change my life.
0: I want to point out you could compare Luke to any dinosaur or any animal you're comparing him to one of the most vicious violent <laughs> creatures you can possibly imagine. And that has to be on purpose.
1: Yeah. He's a clever gal. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm wondering if you had any of those experiences with your kids.
0: Well, of course, as we talked about at the beginning, I have twins. They are five now. Um, uh, the the first one, the biggest one, comes to mind is when they first real. Well, first of all, when you have twins, if one of them figures out how to do something, the other ones going to figure out how to do it about ten seconds later. <laughs> so that's great if they're trying to teach them how to walk or potty train. The other ones going to pick it up quick. That's horrible when you have one of these moments that you're like, "Oh crap, this is going to change my life forever." And the prime example is when they could figure out how to climb out of their cribs. That was like the worst. When you have a singleton, <laughs> just one kid, they're like, man, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of nervous about this. But when there's twins, they're constantly egging each other on. Like, yeah, you know, you go a little bit farther. You go a little farther. The second they figured out how to climb out of their cribs, it was like a game changer because all of a sudden, like they could get in all sorts of mischief. I remember the first or second time they crawled out of their cribs, they simultaneously figured out, hey, we can rip off our diapers even better when they're chock full of and what's even cooler is we can have an art project with said feces outside of our cribs
1: and yes goodness
0: that that was probably my uh prime jurassic park moment right there
1: (laughs) that combines all sorts of jurassic park moments from the actual movie feces and it's true getting getting out of cages (laughs)
0: And it is entirely possible that for months straight, my wife and I duct tape their diapers on because we did.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's funny that a lot of times kids can do more than than they think they can. They just it's just a matter of either having encouragement for another kid or the motivation. And for the longest time, like when Luke was was trying to open doors i knew if if there's something in there that he really wanted or if he focused long enough that he would be able to do it so i'd always distract him You <laughs> would <He'd laughs> be like working on a door, and be like hey do you want some cheetos <laughs> all about the misdirection oh yeah oh
0: misdirection is like half of parenting
1: all right so you propose an idea about or a question: Why why don't we have more babysitting rotation groups? Do you want to explain that a little bit?
0: Yeah. So there's like a family in our neighborhood that that we uh, we have kids around the same age, and we take turns uh, watching each other's kids because um, their kids like playing with our kids, and vice versa. And it's free babysitting when the other one's not doing it. And we got a third family looped in. So now only one out of three times we're we watching the kids. And when we are watching the kids, they're, having, they're entertained. So we don't have to worry about entertaining them. And they're destroying the house, but they destroy the house when no one other kids are here anyway. So I'm like, man, this is an amazing thing. And I don't hear other parents talk about how they're doing this children rotation. You know, once a week you're watching the kids, but the other two times you get free babysitting. I'm like, why isn't this more ubiquitous? Why aren't more parents doing this? And also, isn't, is there some way you could create some sort of an app or a service to, to market this and, and somehow make money off of this kind of way, you know, Uber took off, you know, for cars transportation and Airbnb for, you know, hotels. I feel like there's something here where this should be huge. Like this should be everywhere because babysitting is not cheap and finding good babysitter is not easy. And this, this feels like a win-win. What am I missing?
1: So combining babies and Uber, so you'd call it Boober, would be your. We're,
0: uh, we're still
1: workshopping the name. <laughs> Boober is not one of the
0: names we're going to be bouncing around.
1: I think in terms of, I think in terms of an app or some kind of service, the the line might be. Everyone's been pushing the line, right? People said no one's going to want to like share their car. No one's going to want to share their house. Sharing kids might be the line where no one wants to, no one wants to do that. Well, it's, it's not like you're sharing kids. I'm not saying like
0: you can have my kids for the weekend. I'm saying like, hey, people, families are interested in this. Can we get together at a park, mutually meet, feel each other out, and feel like, hey, maybe there's a there's something here. Or maybe two hours on a Thursday or something. Maybe we could do that. But and, and it would be people in your neighborhood, right? So you're not like driving across town. It's searching for other families in your neighborhood. People generally share similar cultures, experiences, values within a geographic location. Um, so, if you're, you know, in uh, the LA area, then you know, and you're less comfortable having someone in Chino watch your kids because of where you live. Then that may that might be something you can, don't have to worry about because you're there's someone in your neighborhood. Do you, know, do you know what I'm saying? Or is that my way off base?
1: I get what you're saying, but I think with kids, especially because of datelines, like the catch a predator, right? <laughs> did, did that freak everyone out? Well, yeah, but if you me meet out. the person and it's
0: a single guy in a van passing out candy bars, maybe you give a hard pass.
1: Yeah, I think it's, I think it's hard. I mean, I wouldn't feel comfortable unless I knew, like I knew the family for a while passing out my kids i think it's possible but i think in terms of creating a service i think it'd be difficult but i i definitely agree that um it should kind of naturally come up as you're interacting with people in your community or whatever we did it like we, we've done this actually this, the exact same thing where we had three three couples
0: yeah i mean uh, and you you know a lot of times we'll just like we'll just have, have the parents drop us off at a park or drop their kids off at a park. And we're just out at a park for like three hours and we've got drinks and everything. I just feel like this could solve so many parenting issues. If you're a parent, you're not doing this, you're doing yourself a disservice Uh, because we all have friends with kids that are in the same ballpark age. And even if they're not in the same age group, it's just so nice because man, you could easily drop hundreds of dollars a month in your in your budget on babysitting
1: yeah i'm a big fan of the baby baby swap i think you should i think you should pursue boober and and do a prototype
0: i'm afraid the people are going to be attracted to the boober are the exact people i'm not going to be want using boober
1: Well, you will never know until you try it out chris
0: this this is like when we were trying to figure out a name for this podcast and our first name was slumber party.
1: Ooh, I'm downloading that podcast. Oh no, no. This is not for you. <laughs> and so I wanted to I wanted to share a story about that because uh Chris and I have have kind of been talking back and forth. We haven't officially kind of come out with this, but we've recognized that a lot of a lot of our um stories and conversations revolve around fatherhood so that's kind of going to be the the theme of this podcast and um as i learned i should run all my ideas by my wife <laughs> just to make sure that they're that they're good so i told her what i was thinking i said what do you think about that kind of focusing is around fatherhood she said that's the best idea you've had with this podcast so far <laughs> she said it's way better than calling it Sleepover party, or whatever. (laughs) We're going to call the podcast (laughs) Slumber Party, and it's about fatherhood. (laughs) Well, we didn't know what it was about when we were coming up with names, okay? (laughs) (laughs) It's so bad. (laughs) A combination.